Hit well into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast, our 66th podcast. How about that? As spring training uh, continues to roll on. What are we now, two weeks away from the start of the season? How awesome is that? And if you're listening to this on the day it comes out here on this Wednesday, it is also St. Patrick's Day. So uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. By the way, uh, green beer and baseball, one of my all-time favorite traditions in spring training. We got robbed of that a year ago. Uh, hopefully, maybe uh, some of y'all are out there at Tempe, or uh, at least in the uh, in the Arizona Valley, getting a chance to enjoy uh, some spring training baseball and do that today. You know, every single week I come on this podcast, and, and what we're going to do today is we're just going to kind of recap what we have seen in spring training so far. We're going to go through some of the pitching, because uh, some of that's been really good. But, I mean, every time I come on this podcast, what, three, four straight weeks now, I've been wanting to talk about somebody other than Shohei Otani. But the way he's playing right now, I mean, we can't ignore what Shohei Otani is doing. Um, it all started uh, way back uh, in early in the spring when he hit the one home run, 468 feet, went over the batter's eye. Just kind of gave us a glimpse uh, of where Otani is uh, at the play. And, and he's been outstanding on the mound as well. And sure, his last start gave up a couple runs. But uh, for the most part, uh, Otani, look, he's thrown 12 or he's thrown four innings. So 12 outs he's got. Nine of them have been on strikeouts. I mean, Otani has been that. Kind of good for the Angels on the mound, and we're looking forward to seeing him continue that. At the same time, what this guy is doing at the plate is is flat out spectacular. I'm going to go through some of my thoughts as far as lineup construction and the way that I kind of see this thing playing out uh, for the Angels because there's a couple of names uh, in there. Uh, my opinion has changed uh, slightly, but it has changed from what it was uh, at the start of spring training for what the Angels are going to do uh, on opening day. So I'll give you some of my thoughts on that. would love to get some of your thoughts as well. You can find me on Twitter at Trent Rush Sports. Now give me your opinion on what you think the Angels opening day lineup uh, should look like and again I'll give my opinion uh, coming up here in a minute when the Angels take on the White Sox on April the 1st here at the Big A where fans will be here at the Big A oh my gosh that is so so overdue and I am looking forward to that no question about it but I just want to talk this week about Shohei Otani first of all what he did on Monday was absolutely wild starting with this next pitch on Shohei High fly ball, it's hit well out there into left field. That one's carrying deep. It is out of here. Opposite way for Shohei Otani. So his hot hitting continues. That one probably aided a little bit by the wind. It is blowing out in that direction, but Shohei will take it. Still had to get it out there to clear the wall, which in the area where that ball got out, it's probably a good 365 or so. It's 340 down the left field line. Otani, one swing of the bat, is tied up this ball game. It's 1-1. All right, fine. So that one is a little wind-aided. But then Shohei Otani said, this one, uh, no. Now I'm going to get all of it. Here's the pitch, and he lifts another one deep into left center field. That ball is carrying well, and that ball is out of here. 
showtime, and Otani's putting on a pretty good show here in the first three innings. A pair of opposite field homers. And the Angels now lead it 2-1. to one. Okay, so if two home runs in one game weren't enough for you, how about Shohei Otani the very next day? This was on Tuesday with the Angels taking on Cleveland, also facing the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner in Shane Bieber. Now, uh, Shane Bieber got no help from his defense in this game, but Otani still got absolutely all of this one. Took his aim at the 10 freeway. Look out traffic the way Otani hit this baseball. Otani skies it to center field. Way back, Sayonara, Shohei. What a shot. Again, over the batter's eye, 9-2 Angels here in the third. I mean, can we just start the season now, the way Shohei Otani is swinging the bat? I mean, my goodness. Uh, so cool to see Otani doing this, especially after the struggles that he had last year. I just can't tell you how good it is to see Shohei free. It's like he's got the weight lifted off his shoulders. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, Otani, by the way, this spring, uh, to this point, at the time of recording this, is 11 for 19, four home runs, seven RBI. Uh, okay, so he is ready to go, clearly. Uh, but, uh, like I I was saying I've thought a lot about this I don't you, you can't fault the Angels for the approach that they took initially with Shohei Otani especially now that we've learned that when Otani arrived in the United States to go play in MLB uh, he wasn't 100 percent healthy even then um, and, and the Angels were, were very cautious and they did a lot to, to try to protect Otani as best they could and I think you know that's probably the right approach. That's probably the way you have to go about it. And Otani was really good that rookie season. And, you know, he's just been banged up ever since. And for the Angels now to basically say, okay, we tried this way. Now let's put Otani's career in his own hands. Let him dictate what he wants to do. Because clearly the talent is there. And clearly for Shohei Otani, comfort is such a critical thing. I think that's the case with pretty much every baseball player, but for some, I guess maybe more than others. And clearly for Shohei Otani, he's got to feel comfortable. He's got to feel confident, not just in his abilities, but in his body. Confidence in his body is the most important thing for Shohei Otani, and, and that he can prove to himself that he can stay healthy. He doesn't have anything else to prove to anybody else. I mean, we've seen what Shohei can do, but I would also think like if you are somebody of Shohei Otani's talent level, like that. That caliber of a player, Otani probably thinks that he wants to prove that he's the, you know the greatest player of all time. I mean, he's doing something that nobody's done since Babe Ruth. I'm, why not? Like, why wouldn't he think that way? So you don't need to motivate this guy. This guy is as intrinsically driven as one can find. I mean, Otani Otani doesn't need that external motivation. Plus, he's really hard on himself. That's another thing about Shohei Otani, too. So, like, if something doesn't go right, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go pile on Shohei Otani. I mean, like, that guy knows. And he's probably hard. He's going to be harder on himself than anybody else possibly could be. I mean, that's just the way Otani is wired. And it's really impressive to see how he's you know had that success his rookie season, had at the major league level, has kind of gone to the depths and dealt with the lows of lows as far as baseball is concerned. And last season, I think, was that for him on the mound, yes, and it was to the point where it affected his hitting. 
even when he got hurt in 2018 when he couldn't pitch anymore, I thought that he was what, what was really impressed me about Shohei Otani was that he was able to rise above that, and it did not impact him at the plate that 2018 season that, that you know that last month, month and a half of the season. But then when you go to, to last year, coming off of Tommy John and the pitching didn't go well, Tommy clearly wasn't right at the plate. There was something holding him back. Well, now nothing's holding him back. And we're just getting a, a glimpse of this in a few spring training appearances. I mean, we're talking about, you know, four innings on the mound and 21 plate appearances. Okay, just a, a fraction of a sample size. Like, that's like not even a week in regular season terms. However, uh, it's been really impressive what he has done to this point. And here's Joe Madden talking about what he is seeing from Shohei right now. And, and it's quite honestly blowing him away. It's pretty impressive. Um, it just is. Every, every, every swing he takes, it looks like he's going to hit the ball hard, and he kind of has been. Uh, everything's been in the middle to left, which I like. Um, he's putting the ball in the barrel a lot, obviously, and a lot with two strikes. So uh, you're right. Bottle this up. Keep it for, what, the next at least 10 years. Because uh, he's feeling really good about himself. Yeah, Shohei Otani should be feeling good about himself. And it's just so cool to see what he's doing in spring training. You just want him to, like like Joe Madden said, bottle that up for the next decade. And I'm just, I just want to see it in April. I want to see it in games that count. Because, man, healthy Otani can be absolutely unreal. I mean, the Angels really could have three MVP candidates this season. With, with Mike Trout, obviously, Anthony Rendon, and Shohei Otani. They could have three MVP candidates. That's amazing when you think about that. Now, Shohei Otani is not going to start for the Angels on opening day. I will say this. Should the Angels, like, let's, let's say the Angels are in, like, a game 163, and they got to, like, sort it out last day of the season, or or you're talking about, you know, game seven of the World Series. Who's going to start for you? The Angels probably go Shohei Otani. I don't know, though. It, it depends on what you want to, you know, you're giving up with the bat and, and if he's ever, you know, hitting and pitching at the same time. I, that gets decided later. Otani, to me, has the potential to be the Angels' ace and the best starting pitcher on this staff. But he is not going to start on opening day. Dylan Bundy will. And that announcement came just a couple of days ago. Now, for Dylan Bundy, he led the staff last season with a 3-2-9 ERA, best in the rotation. I mean, he was he was really good. I thought what we saw in July and August of last year was um, close to Cy Young-worthy. Now, what, the way Shane Bieber pitched a year ago, it was a runaway uh, for Bieber and for Cleveland. But for Dylan Bundy... I mean, I think he was a top five. For much of last season, he was a top five pitcher in the American League. Now, the the numbers ended up not settling that way. He had a couple of hiccups in the month of September. But I thought Dylan Bundy was, was unreal for the Angels a year ago. What a pleasant surprise he was. And I think that he's the kind of guy that's going to be able to continue that. And here's what Joe Madden had to say as to why he wants Bundy to start on opening day. I told him before yesterday's game, uh, you know, Dylan, he's so demonstrative and wears his emotions on his sleeve, but he took it very well. He's very pleased about it, and uh, we're excited about him doing that. Then he went out yesterday and, and showed the same kind of – or he showed the, all the different reasons why we thought that, and so he's going to rock and roll in the first game. And then Dylan Bundy was asked about his feelings about being named the Angels opening day starter here for 2021. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, definitely honored to get the, get the opening day start. Uh you know, it shows they trust me to go out there that first day and, and compete. So, uh, you know, that's my goal, and that's what the rest of spring training is for, is to get ready for that day. So that's what I look forward to doing. 
One of the things, too, about Dylan Bundy is his role as a leader on this staff. And that is an area where, look, when a player comes over from a new team, like he came over from Baltimore before last year, you don't really know what to expect on that front. But there are some guys that just emerge right away. And Bundy is one of those guys... He's got a, a quiet confidence about him. I mean, you see the, the emotion on the mound, sure. But, you know, I, I was joking with Dylan Bundy last season. I call him uh, Dylan Dutton because I'm a fan of Yellowstone. I love the, the TV series Yellowstone. And he reminds me like he could be Kevin Costner's son uh, in that series, like the way that Dylan Bundy plays. I mean, he's just, he's just tough. Uh, he takes nothing from nobody. And he's ready to bring it each and every time he's on the mound. I mean, that's the kind of mentality, and it's kind of a throwback mentality, the way Dylan Bundy goes about it, but he's got some he's got some serious cowboy in him. And it was cool to see that a season ago, and that's something that I think can affect other guys on the staff too. When you just show up ready to, you know, you bring your lunch pail, you go blue collar ready to work every day. I think that resonates with other guys on the staff. And for Dylan Bundy, as to being a leader like that, he's also he's a pretty humble guy too like he probably he's not gonna like go out of his way trying to be a leader but I, I think that you know some of the things he does can be infectious to others and he might be a leader without even knowing it and here he is talking about that role as a leader on this staff yeah I try not to think about it too much you know if I can help a certain player or uh some of the younger guys then I, then I look forward to doing that you know if they have questions I do my best to answer them and, and and give him an honest answer. The other part, too, about Bundy is his development as a pitcher over time. I mean, he's always had some pretty good stuff, but, you know, you talk about change of scenery with players, and I think Dylan Bundy is one that a change of scenery was just outstanding for him. You you leave the American League East where you got to face the Yankees and the Red Sox and you're playing in that bandbox in Baltimore, and you come out west and you get a chance to thrive and you're facing different teams and you're not pitching in those kind of ballparks, a little bit more pitcher-friendly parks uh, for Dylan Bundy, uh, certainly more so than in the American League East. So, so that's an advantage, but when it comes to – how Dylan has changed as a pitcher, well, he'd tell you probably not all that much. I like to think I haven't changed any. I, you know, just try to not get too high, not get too low, especially as a starter. Making 30-plus starts a year, uh, you know, you're going to have bad games out there. So, and you're going to have really good games. And you just got to realize you got to stay on that kind of even kill, uh, whether you're doing good or bad. We've had Dylan on a podcast before, and uh, you should go check that out. You really should. I mean, for those that are subscribers, the Angels Recap Podcast, uh, it is available, angels.com slash podcast. However you found this one, just scroll down a few back, and uh, Dylan's there. Go check out that conversation. It was a really, really good one. So we know that Dylan Bundy is going to be the Angels starter on opening day. I want to go through the rest of what I think could end up being the Angels opening day starting lineup. Now, I do want to qualify this and say where I have players on opening day might not necessarily be where like you get the most amount of starts this season like there could be guys that maybe come off the bench on opening day that end up starting more games over the course of a season at a certain position so I do want to qualify it by saying that but I'm talking about April 1st against the White Sox here the big A with 9,000 of you here at the ballpark to watch against uh, this Angels team face Lewis, Lucas Giolito. This is the lineup that I think the Angels could end up going with. Again, this is I, I have not talked to Joe about this. This is just my hunch. This is kind of why I'm reading tea leaves, and I'm also you know trying to look at some some baseball stuff and see what makes sense for me. All right, leadoff man, the first true leadoff man that the Angels have had in a long time, and that's David Fletcher. And he's your second baseman. David Fletcher has to be in that leadoff spot. I think part of the reason why Fletch 
is your leadoff guy. Not only does he get a lot of hits, not only does he do a good job getting on base, and he doesn't have the the outrageous you know on base percentage like some other leadoff guys do, but he gets a ton of hits. The, the thing about David Fletcher, I think he infuriates pitchers. He works long counts. When he does get on base, he he drives you crazy the way he's dancing over there, and he's always looking to push, and he has the ability to go first to third, and he's got pretty good speed, and, and he's willing to do that. And also some of the ways he gets hits. Like he gets some cheap hits that like just make you crazy, but he also can drive the ball, and he does so many things well. He, he goes the other way. The way David Fletcher hits to all fields. I think David Fletcher is the kind of – pesky leadoff man that can infuriate a pitcher to start a game and I think more than anything else and this seems to get forgotten in baseball I think part of the role of a hitter is to make the pitcher as uncomfortable as possible just like it's the role of the pitcher to try to make the hitter as uncomfortable as possible I think when David Fletcher is in the box he makes pitchers uncomfortable and for that reason he needs to be your leadoff man. Now, what also makes the pitchers uncomfortable is knowing that the very next hitter is Mike Trout. So you got to be careful to David Fletcher. And when he gets on, like when Fletcher leads off a game, and then Mike Trout comes up, and what's his on-base percentage going to be? I mean, he pushes like a 500 OBP every year. I mean, it's just insane what Mike Trout does. You're essentially going to have a 50-50 shot of having Anthony Rendon come up with a runner in scoring position. I mean, it's not quite 50-50, but you, you have good odds. You have you have way better odds. Like, the Angels are going to have better odds than anybody else in baseball when it comes to having somebody possibly be in scoring position for the best doubles hitter in the game. And that's what you get in Anthony Rendon. I know there are a lot of people that would go, that maybe would want to see Trout as your three hitter. I think with this lineup, I think you because you have Rendon, I think you can bat Trout second. I I've gone back and forth in this a lot because you know you know th- th- there's the the theory that oh your best hitter needs to be your three hitter and then there's kind of the new wave of thinking in that uh, you know your best hitter needs to be your number two hole hitter. I would think that if the Angels had like like if David Fletcher had an on base percentage close to Trout's, now first of all he'd be an MVP candidate. Secondly, I think maybe you could have Trout slide down a little bit more, but you want a high high on base guy in those first two. And and Fletcher's got a very good batting average, but he doesn't draw all that many walks. So for David Fletcher to be your leadoff man, you need a really high on base guy, I think, as being your number two, as long as you still have power behind him. And, you know, who is the Angels' best hitter? Well, it's Mike Trout, but what's the drop off from Trout to Rendon? I mean, I'd say it's not that much. I, I really don't think there's that big of a drop off because, and that's not a knock on Trout. That is to praise Anthony Rendon. I think Rendon is, is that spectacular. I mean, he's the best doubles hitter in baseball. I, I firmly believe that. So if you're going to have a runner in scoring position, most likely with Fletcher and Trout at the top, and then Rendon is your three-hitter, I mean, you're going to score a ton of runs. I mean, that's just the reality. Over the course of a season, we didn't get to see it a ton last year because, you know, Trout Trout wasn't right for a little bit at the start when, when things were going well for Rendon, and then Rendon was off for a little bit. Like, we, we only saw Trout and Rendon, like, click at the same time for, like, three and a half weeks last season, and it just so happened that those three and a half weeks, the Angels were the hottest team in baseball. Okay, that was the first three weeks of September. That's what the Angels were last year, and that was really the only time that we saw Trout and Rendon clicking at the same time. You give these guys 162 games, those three weeks, 
turn into four months. I mean, that's what can happen for the Angels when those guys get rolling. So I love the 1-2-3 of Fletcher, Trout, Rendon. Now, last season, Rendon did not have a ton of protection. Remember, Justin Upton struggled for a month. Shohei Otani wasn't quite right. Um, You know, later, it became Jared Walsh. Like, for a while, Jared Walsh was that next hitter. I think that this year, the way Otani is swinging the bat, how can you not make him your cleanup man? Now, you could even argue, you could even make the case for, like, if you want to get a lefty higher up in the lineup, you could make the case for Fletcher, Otani, Trout, Rendon and go that way. And that's an interesting lineup to me. Um, you give Otani additional protection with Mike Trout. You get a lefty up there higher in the order. Um, I, I just want I want Trout to get as many at-bats as possible and Rendon to get as many at-bats as possible, and I want guys on base for the slugger that is Shohei Otani. So that's the way I see it. I want more guys on base for Otani. Um, and like, with, like Trout's such an interesting one because – Yes, he's your best hitter. Yes, he has the ability to drive in a bazillion runs. Yes, he has the ability to to leave the ballpark at any moment. But he's such a high on base percentage guy that you have to you kind of view him a little bit like that because he draws so many walks. So he he hits on both elements. Like that's why to me he's a two hitter and not a three hitter. So, so that's part of my, my thought with Trout there. But then you you know you have Shohei Otani as your designated hitter. So what are the chances? You know the, the odds of Fletcher Trout or Rendon, you know going 0 for three, are a lot slimmer than any other one through three you're going to find in baseball. I, I will tell you that right now. So you get somebody on base for Shohei Otani, and then he can leave the ballpark the way he does. Now all of a sudden those. One runs, the, the solo homers become two and three run shots. I mean, that's now the deal for Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani could have 500 at bats and drive in 100 runs this year. Like, I, I firmly believe that. And that's with the pitching schedule that Otani could have. The guy that to me is kind of the X factor for the Angels is, I, I, and I should, I guess I got to clarify Trout in center, Rendon third, Otani or DH, Justin Upton in left field. He's either a five or a six hitter, depending on where he's at. But to me, he is such an X factor to this lineup. And when things are going right for Justin Upton, I mean, he's always been a streaky hitter. But he can give Otani that protection. Um, I think that he has the ability to have some of the pressure off his shoulders where he's at in the lineup right now. In fact, here was Joe Madden uh, just yesterday talking about Justin Upton and his place um, on this team and in this lineup. He's the kind of guy that can carry the group. He's got the, the makeup, um, broad shoulders. He likes it. You know, he's, it's, it's not too big for him. So when he just goes like all of us, when we go awry with the, the physical mechanics, it gets difficult. Last year, there just wasn't – well, he did. The second month of the season last year was really good. It was when you get off to a bad start in a 60-day season, everybody starts over-exaggerating things. And sometimes guys get off to a great start and they're over-exaggerating things. But the second month last year, he did really well. And um, I'm seeing that even better than that right now. He's got a, he's in a good place. Um, so that's the offensive side. Defensively, he's in, I, it looks, appears to be in better shape. I don't know if it's a slimmer version of him. He's moving well. And he throws well. So uh, he's very excited about on a lot of different levels. And he runs well. <laughs> you know, in spite of where he's at age-wise, he moves well uh, from home the first and on the bases too. So 
Right now, we're seeing the best version of Jay Up. And if the Angels do have the best version of Jay Up in the lineup, he's protection for Otani. He's a middle-of-the-order guy that can make this dynamic offense even more dynamic and be one of the best, if not the best, in baseball. I firmly believe that if Justin Upton could be that. Okay, now my six-hitter. This is one that um, probably is going to be controversial to some. But at first base... I have Albert Pujols on opening day for what, a 22nd straight season? 21st straight season? I mean, that's amazing. But I have Albert Pujols starting on opening day for the Angels. And part of it has to do with his spring. He's 10 for 23 this spring with five RBI at the time of recording this podcast here in the morning of St. Patrick's Day. I think that Albert Pujols is somebody, is somebody that has earned the right to start on opening day. And it's not because of what he's done in the past. It's what he's doing right now this spring. The way he's working, the way he's producing at the plate. You give him an opportunity to start an opening day. And this is also the reason why I gave you the qualifier at the beginning. I think that Jared Walsh ends up hitting a lot more uh, than Albert Pujols at first base. I I think we're going to see a lot more of Walsh in the lineup than we are of Albert Pujols as the season goes on. But... I do think that uh, we're going to see on opening day, I think it's going to be Albert Pools. That's just kind of my thought about how this thing could shake out. But I do think we see more of Jared Walsh. Now, with Walsh hitting, um, that's another lefty bat that gets there. And, and let's let's you know, let's not kid ourselves. This is a really heavily right-handed lineup. But when you go Fletcher, Trout, and Rendon, that's right, right, right. Then your first lefty is Otani four with a three-batter minimum rule. When you get into um, you know the late-inning situations, like if four, five, six. You go Otani, Upton, Walsh. Then it makes it really tough. Like you, because of Upton, then you, and you have Upton facing a lefty. That's good if you have to face. You know, if you're bringing a lefty to face Otani, um, or you know, Iglesias is a switch hitter after that, and that's why I have as my seven hitter. You could move Iglesias further down, but I like Pools at you know as the opening day six hitter, and then uh, Jose Iglesias as your shortstop, uh, a switch hitting shortstop. What Iglesias can bring to the play? Yes, he was 373 last year. Okay, he's not. I don't expect 373, but he's a, a 278 lifetime hitter that's swinging a very good bat here in spring training. And also, Iglesias is showing that he can do get it done with the glove. What a pickup for the Angels! What a move by Perry Manazian to go and get. Jose Iglesias to be the Angels shortstop to fill the gap that uh, was left behind by Andelson Simmons. And it's not even about replacing Simba as much as it is trying to upgrade your team. And the the drop-off at shortstop, if there even is one, I actually think that what we've seen from Iglesias, he might be better at the routine than Andelson Simmons. Now, the spectacular plays, Simba does some things that nobody else can do. I mean, he's a wizard out there. But then I see Iglesias make some plays that's going, wait a minute. I mean, that's just as good. I mean, Jose Iglesias is a phenomenal, phenomenal shortstop. But what an upgrade uh, for the Angels. Also at the at the plate, too. I think, I, I think Iglesias is going to give you a lot more uh, hitting-wise than what Simba did. So if that's your seven-hitter, oh my goodness, you have a deep lineup. You, so, so basically what I'm telling you right now is that the seven-hitter in the Angels lineup was the American League batting champ last year and hit 373. Okay, That's the seven-hitter. Okay, that's what that's how deep and how good this Angels lineup is. Um, after that, I go with Max Stassi. 
I think that he has to be the opening day catcher if he's right. Now, Kurt Suzuki is going to catch a ton, but I, I like Max Stassi hitting eighth because I also like the idea of Dexter Fowler in right field being your nine-hole hitter because the way he puts the ball in play, because of what he can do on the bases. Um, I, I like Dexter Fowler as like that second leadoff guy. I, I like Dexter Fowler in that role. Maybe he doesn't have the speed now that he once does, but he can still move pretty good on the bases, and, and there's a lot that he can bring. So, I mean, when, when you're bottom three, Three here is Iglesias, Stassi, Fowler. I mean, you feel really good about that group. I also kind of like seeing, you know, when you flip the lineup over, you go one through six, and then, you know, Iglesias kind of could be a leadoff guy, and Stassi's got a little bit of pop in his bat that he showed uh, last season. I mean, after really struggling in, in 2019, Stassi really turned it around to the plate, I thought, in 2021, and, and that's interchangeable with Stassi and Suzuki right there. But that's just kind of the way I see the Angels lineup uh, for, you know, the uh, start of the season for opening day. Uh, who knows uh, if Joe Madden's going to listen to me or not. Uh, I'm totally kidding, uh, by the way. And, and and I'm also like looking at these other lineups. There's a lot of tinkering you can do. I think that the biggest tinkering probably would be in the two through four what you do and how you place Trout, Rendon, and Otani. Joe Madden has said he likes Rendon hitting behind Trout. Um, but I, I also subscribe to that, but could you go Otani 2, Trout 3, Rendon 4? Sure. I like Trout 2, Rendon 3, Otani 4. That's kind of the way I see it uh, for the Angels. But bottom line is this is an offense that is going to score a ton of runs for the Angels this year, and then it's going to be up to the pitching. And we've seen Angels pitching be pretty good. Like Alex Cobb has been pretty good in spring. Dylan Bundy has been a, a superstar in spring. Quintana has been very good so far this spring. Griffin Canning had, had the one rough outing, but then bounced back and had, I, I thought, a really strong outing uh, just the other day. So you're, you're kind of going across the board. Heaney's been, been solid this spring. So you look at the Angels lineup, and then you say, whoa, they're, they're going to score a ton of runs. And, you know, the pitching staff has been pretty good. Good. However, I'm not going to make too much of spring numbers with anybody, but you know, there are certain exceptions. I think when you look at what Albert has done this spring, I think when you look at what Otani has done this spring at the plate, you can't ignore those kind of numbers. You want to see development with the pitching staff and Cobb. Again, Cobb looking good raises the floor a ton for this rotation. So you know, I, I'm optimistic that the pitching can be around league average with a lineup that has the ability to be maybe the best in baseball. I mean, that's what the Angels are. And if that's the case, the Angels are going to be a playoff team in 2021. You can book it. You heard it here first. Uh, that's what's going to happen if, if that ends up playing out. Um, I, I do think the Angels lineup is spectacular. And really, no matter what the combination is for this team, uh, I think it could be very, very exciting. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Hey, thanks to each and every one of you for joining us every week here on the podcast. We got uh, one more spring training edition until we get into regular season spring training or regular season baseball podcast. Okay, maybe it's two more. Okay, two more spring training podcasts. Uh, we're going to get to uh, some big time guests here coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks so be on the lookout for that again if you're not a subscriber already please do that helps us out a ton and we love uh you know getting to get you the information and get you this podcast before uh, the general public gets it and if you're a subscriber that is the case so be sure to check that out angels.com slash podcast i subscribe on apple Podcasts. that's how i consume podcasts uh but i know other people listen a lot of different ways uh we're, we're everywhere so uh, appreciate you uh following along appreciate you being here for this thanks to hannah stang for all the work she does behind the 
the scenes. My name is Trent Rush, and again, thanks to you, I'm so excited you guys are going to be able to be back in the Big A this season. But in the meantime, man, it's, it's pumping me up getting to spend this time each and every week talking some Angels baseball. Thanks for that. An exciting season up ahead, and uh, I can't wait for it. It's going to be a good one for the Halos. I just got a really, really good feeling about it. All right, we'll talk to you later. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast.